Welcome to Garden DC, the podcast about everything gardening in the Washington DC and Mid-Atlantic region. I'm your host, Kathy Gents. I'm the editor of Washington Gardener Magazine, and we're aimed at gardening enthusiasts, people who grow everything from edibles to ornamentals, natives to exotics. If it grows in our area, that's what we talk about. Welcome to episode 177 of the Garden DC podcast. In this episode, we talk with Peggy Riccio of pegplant.com all about the new plants and products we saw at Mance 2024. The plant profile is on Talancia, and we share what's going on in the garden as well as some upcoming local gardening events in the What's New segment. We close out with the last word on If at first you don't succeed, try, try again by Christy Page of Green Prince. This episode, we're joined by Peggy Riccio. She is the woman behind pegplant.com, and she is joining me to discuss our experiences, our observations, what we saw at the recent Mance, the Mid-Atlantic Nursery Trade Show in Baltimore. Welcome, Peggy. Hi. Well, thank you for having me. Great to have you on, Peggy, and I know Peggy's been to that conference for years, as I have, so we're going to delve into all the new things we saw, some of the oldies but goodies, some people we ran into that you might want to hear about, but before we go into all of that, since this is Peggy's first time on the Garden DC podcast, I have to ask her, was she born with a green thumb or chlorophyll in her veins? I was born with chlorophyll in my veins. That is true. I've been interested in plants since day one. I can't remember when I haven't been interested in plants. So that's why I went to Virginia Tech and studied horticulture. And uh, I just didn't know what I wanted to do with my degree. I just didn't know how to apply it. I love plants, but I didn't know what to do. So um, I actually ended up working in a few green companies, but then I ended up working in public health. I work for the federal government in public health as my day job. And on the side, I discovered what I really like to do is garden communication. So that's why I started up that website, pegplant.com. And then I also have a newsletter. And then, of course, I write for magazines and give presentations. And so I just love talking about plants. Mm. Sounds a lot like my journey, Peggy. (laughs) except for I came from a journalism background and you're coming more from the horticultural side of things. Mm -hmm. And so you spent a a little time at American Hort Society as well. Years ago, I used to work at the American Horticulture Society with their uh, newsletter and with their magazine. At the time they had both a newsletter and a magazine. Mm. And that's when I realized that I was really, really interested in newsletters. This is back when newsletters print newsletters were very, very popular. This is before the internet. (laughs) So I was very interested in newsletters and communicating and telling people about plants and gardening and everything. And and that was a real joy to work there. Um, The problem, of course, is that, that, you know, everybody knows that, you know, this field doesn't pay very well. And so I ended up in public health and got married, had twins, you know, and stayed because of you know, the salary, the good health insurance, the stability and everything. But I had to, so I had to deep dive into my passion on the side, so to speak. So my garden writing is on the side. 
And I imagine your probably retirement plans are to make that full time. Well, yeah. When well, <laughs> when I retire, it will be full time. But I don't know when I'm going to retire. <laughs> no time soon, I'm sure. So we've known each other for years, mainly through Gardencom, the Society of Garden Communicators, or it's a professional association for anybody who's interested in garden communicating of any kind, whether they be a writer, a podcaster, uh, editor, a photographer, any type of um, garden communicating, you know, whether it's a blog or through a TikTok channel or anything like that, you are welcome to join us. And that's gardencom.org if you're interested in pursuing that. Um, so we've known a lot of fellow colleagues and met many people over the years through Gardencom. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about that and how that connects through Mance. Um, but first, let's talk about your impression this year of the trade show overall. So it's always the second week of January coming right after the holidays. And it's the first big industry event, especially on the East Coast of the United States for the entire garden center nursery landscape trade. So it's pretty much the kickoff to the year of business for them. Um what did you think of the crowds, the mood, how the show was this year? Well, I love going every year. I just really love going. And we were fortunate, I think, that we had good weather. I went on Wednesday and Thursday, and we had very good weather. So the it was really, really crowded. It was packed. But I like that because it meant that the pandemic was over and we were back. To, we were back to business, you know. I mean, we as GardenCom members and then also all those vendors we're back to business and it was packed and it was great. Yeah, I agree. I thought the mood was great. Everybody was back to business. There was a couple booths early on Wednesday morning that I saw them scrambling to put together and get their stuff in because like me, they probably got caught in that Tuesday night storm, that credible flooding and everything that happened around Baltimore and Annapolis and, and other parts of the country. Um, so some people were caught just flying in that morning or flying in super late and getting their booths together. But other than that, the place is always sold out. Every booth is occupied in the hall and there's always a wait list. Mm -hmm. I heard there was 9,500 attendees. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll get the, the final count in a few days, but definitely a large crowds, some aisles more crowded than others. I find the front of the hall always, of course, gets jam-packed. So I always head straight to the back of the hall and I'm looking for those, anybody with a sticker that says new member exhibit or new exhibitor. Mm -hmm. hmm. So what do you look for first when you go to the show, Peggy? Well, I'm the kind of person who goes aisle by aisle. <laughs> I don't want to miss anything. So <laughs> I, I go aisle by aisle and I just uh, see, I look for new things, new and different because a lot of these wholesale uh, nurseries, you know, they have beautiful displays of shrubs and plants and all that. But I want to see what's new, not like a new color of a petunia, but, you know, a new shrub, something just that catches my eye. And I'm also looking for new products, too. And, of course, mm -hmm. I'm looking for things for my target audience, which would be gardeners in the D.C. metro area. So I'm looking at, can, you know, is this something that a gardener would be interested in using? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's great about Mance too, is it's mid-Atlantic based. So 
almost all the exhibitors and the attendees are from our region or nearby. There is a contingent of growers that come from the Pacific Northwest, especially the Oregon area. A lot of the woody plants are coming from there. And I think also the Tennessee Valley, um, it, they're getting a lot of growers coming from there as well. Yeah, I noticed that. I was, in fact, I was talking with another person who mentioned that, that there were a lot of growers from the west side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, and that's fine, too, because then there's something new. Maybe I haven't seen that before. But it's, I really like going, um, I, like I said, I do aisle by aisle because I don't want to miss anything. And, of course, you're, you're always talking to people and you're always exchanging business cards or writing down notes or taking their literature, you know, or taking pictures with your phone so you don't forget. So it's very constant talking too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure listeners, longtime listeners of this podcast can tell my voice is a little shot after three days of talking, <laughs> a little rough right now, but I'm, I'm drinking my tea with lemon. And so let's talk about some of those people we run into. And I was joking uh, at Mance with a couple people that we get so preoccupied looking at the booths and what's uh, on display there, whether it be the plants or products, that we often walk right by people we know and don't even see them at all because we're so concentrated on the exhibits. Yeah, that's why I actually go, you know, I'll buy all several times because sometimes you see somebody you want to talk to, but they're busy talking to somebody else, which is why, you know, with David Culp, you know, I, I saw him, but he's busy talking to other people, you know, so then you move on, you know, and mm-hmm. then you hope to catch him the next time around, you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do the same. I'll, I'll make a little note and come back uh, a little bit later. Sometimes I'll hang out for a few minutes and kind of to the side and see if they're wrapping up the conversation. But otherwise, yeah, you need to come back and, and see if you can catch them available later on for somebody mm-hmm. as popular as David Culp. And so listeners of this podcast know that he is a wonderful plantsman. He uh, has been on a past episode talking all about snowdrops, galanthus, and he was there at Cavanaugh Perennial's booth talking about his new Brandywine garden or Brandywine cottage collection of plants that they're promoting with them. Um, so maybe we'll let's dive into that a little bit now. Yeah, so he um, he's well known and he's written many books and he's got a gorgeous garden in Pennsylvania and his book called A Year at Brady- Brandywine Cottage that's the inspiration behind this line of Brandywine cottage plants that Cavanos is going to be introducing. And it's a lifestyle collection corresponding to the themes and experiences expressed in David's book. And so, um, and so we got this beautiful little color brochure of all the different plants that they're going to be introducing. And I was particularly interested in the Baptisia Aurora, which has yellow to lavender flowers. Yeah, I think they mentioned that was an exclusive offering of theirs, that nobody else would have that plant. Yeah, and Baptisia, I have two Baptisia plants in my garden. They do very well here, so that would be a nice addition. Mm -hmm. And for those not familiar with David Culp, as she said, he's an author, lecturer, a great plantsman, and his Brandywine Cottage Garden is located outside of Philadelphia, PA. So for those in Mid-Atlantic, you know, he has a similar growing zone. A lot of the plants he's offering will do well for all of us in our gardens here. Mm-hmm. Who else did you run into that you thought was really fascinating or interesting person there? Okay, So I have always wanted to meet this person because I have been following her for years and years and years, but I met Lamanda Joy, who um, is the inspiration behind great grow along. 
Mm-hmm. And I had never met her before. And remember, her husband talked to GardenCom members for the annual conference about artificial intelligence. His name's Peter. So I met her because um, I've been also following the Great Grow Along and watching the Great Grow Along. So I think she's just absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. She's really nice. Yeah, I think she's a force of nature, and her and her husband have something special going on there with that great go along where mm-hmm. you can take online classes about almost every aspect of gardening. Um, it's it's a wonderful uh, offering that they have. And then, of course, David Culp, you know, and mm-hmm. then Mike uh, from American Meadows. And mm-hmm. I was talking to him and, you know, I always thought of them as seeds, but they do everything. They do perennials, bulbs, plants, everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so this Mike Lazat, and he is with American Meadows, and as you said, they're known as a seed catalog. That's their main business, a seed purveyor, but they do have uh, plants as well. And I'm working with them on a new thing, and I'll probably talk more in later podcast episodes about it, which is reduce your lawn day, an annual event that we're starting our first ever one this May 20th. So it'll be every May 20th, just evaluating your turf grass lawn and maybe how you could reduce that and plant something else in that space. Mm -hmm. So I ran into Buddy Lee, um, the inventor or breeder of Encore Azaleas. Have you met Buddy, Peggy? No. He is a fascinating person. He is known, you know, best for the Encore Azaleas, but he is a breeder of many different plants as well. And if you just get talking to him, it's like, you know, hours can go by <laughs> and, and it'll feel like seconds. He just knows everything there is about plants. And I highly encourage anybody uh, who is interested in azaleas or what he plants uh, to look up Buddy Lee and some of his life story. I had profiled him for the Azalea Society's uh, journal, The Azalean. But I'd gotten to talk to him a couple times before, and, and it was such a treat to run into him again at Mance. And then, of course, we're also running into all of our fellow GardenCom members. So it's okay. sort of, for us, it's sort of like a family reunion where we're, you know, connecting with all the different people that we know as garden communicators. You are so right, Peggy. I think there was a lot of people who were so excited to see each other because it either had been a year or two years or they had missed Mance because of, um, you know, the pandemic or a flare up or they just couldn't get to it last year. So there was a lot of, of definite reunions of friends there and getting to know each other and catch up with each other. So let's talk about some of the products we saw at the show, and then we'll end with the plants because that's the most exciting, right? The plants. <laughs> but yeah. Let's go into the products a little bit. Um, so one of the new exhibitors that caught my eye, the name of their soil line is called Rosy Soil, R-O-S-Y, no E, just R-O-S-Y, Rosy Soil, and it's a biochar based mix is what they say on the label. Um, Did you get a chance to talk to them at all, Peggy? I did. I got their little catalog and they have a really cool website. If you look at their packaging for their soil, it's very upbeat, bright colors, modern, very um, hip, (laughs) very Mm -hmm. young. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting because they're, they're very interested in the reduction of using peat and coconut coir. So mm-hmm. we are a lot of us familiar with 
the problems with using peat and the sourcing of that. Um, but I was like, why, why not coconut coir? What's the problem with that? Seems like that's the green solution a lot of people are using. And their objection is that it's all coming from overseas and, you know, the huge carbon footprint to bring in the coconut coir. Um, so that's their objection to that. So they're basically um, using biochar based mixes uh, with a lot of compost and also like, um, I guess you would call it ground up pine fines or pine right. bark is also a big component of the mixes. Right. And they have houseplant, cactus and succulent seeding seed packages, three different packages. Mm-hmm. And you can purchase it online at rosysoil.com or you, there's a store locator on their website too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think they're pretty new, so we might be seeing a little bit more from them in the future. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Uh, next is that I came across, the new one, was Knowing Nature, all one word, Knowing Nature, Microgreens Plant Trays. And did you check out that booth? I did. In fact, I picked up the brochure and everything because I went, I was thinking of getting microgreen containers for my sisters as Christmas presents. I have three sisters. And the only one that I could find would have been expensive to buy three. So when I came across this one, I thought this is it because Mm -hmm. it's relatively cheap and bright plastic colors. And the containers, of course, you can use over and over again. And they do sell some of the seeds and some of the, um, they sell the core pellets, but you can use a potting mix and you can use a wide variety of your own seeds. You can, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's cheap enough that it actually makes a great gift. Yeah, and I'm I'm holding it in my hands right now. You might hear a little bit of my um, manipulating of the product in my hand. And what I love, I'm going to do this next to the microphone, is it's a very thick um, tray, planting tray, and the planter itself that sits in it. Um, so they are dishwasher safe. I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, that is a step up from using the recycled uh, salad bowls, right, <laughs> from right, the store. Right. Yep. Right. So not those little flimsy things. So they're BPA and phthalate-free, dishwasher safe, easy to bottom water, so it wicks right up. And as you said, they sell the inserts and seed packets, but you could always source those or get those anywhere you wanted to. Um, so it's a nice sturdy product. Uh, and I think it's actually it would be great for school-age children right. um, as well. I think on their website they have something about that, how it's like a STEM activity. They have a picture of a child doing it to learn about science. Oh, that's a great. That's great that they are touting that there. And it is made in the USA. So mm-hmm. I'll try to like, we'll try to highlight if a product is made in the USA that, that we talk about today. So next one that I came across was the Oasis Forage. Did you check those out, Peggy? I did see them and I said hi to them. I just didn't pick up any of their stuff because I don't do any flower arranging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I, I like flower arranging on the side and I was interested in what makes forage uh, a little bit more of a green option than the traditional Oasis green foam. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've ever done any flower flower arranging projects and use that kind of green foam block or cut it down to size you're familiar with that so now they're offering forage which is a little bit more earth friendly Um, it's actually in a earth tone like a light tan taupe color so it blends in more with the container in my opinion Um, so they're offering mini kits and different product mixes of that for starter 
you know, flower arranging. It's not, it's not really for the professional, I don't think, but it's more for the home um, kits that they were showing there at Mance. I think a lot of the attendees at Mance, you might be a garden center ordering products for your store. Mm -hmm. So that's more on that end of things. So then we uh, had a media morning uh, where we were presented with a few products and plants. And one of the products that was presented to us was Crescent self-watering containers. Yeah. And I really like Crescent. I happen to have two Crescent containers myself and uh, they did very well this summer. And uh, so the, one of the ones that they were talking about is they're producing a new window box shape. So you can use it as a window box. Hmm. And the great things about the, this Crescent, well, you can get self-watering ones but you can also get um, they're they're heavier and they're kind of like insulated, so that you can often grow something in there over the winter, which mm -hmm. is what I like about them. They don't they don't just stand there vacant and, and empty over the winter. You can put mm -hmm. things in them, and mine are full of pansies right now. Yeah, and I like that they're both indoor and outdoor. So yeah. say if you were an apartment building or a business with a lobby. Uh, they're gorgeous planters for that use. And that's, you know, you fill it up with a hose in the reservoir and then it has a wicking system. And mm -hmm. I think she said it was about six weeks till you have to fill it up again. So, you know, that's convenient for a lot of people, especially if you have a lot of house plants, <laughs> if you wanted to use it indoors. But for me, I was thinking of outdoor use and um, even vegetable gardening. Right. So one of the Garden Com members says she uses it for her zucchini. But what I did is I have it on the deck and I planted several Agastachi plants because I want to attract hummingbirds. So I had hummingbirds coming to the Agastachi plants in this large rim container. It's called a rim container. It's several feet tall and a couple feet wide. And so I could watch them all summer long through the bay window. And then in the other one, the nest the long one that's called the nest, it's actually raised up so you don't have to bend over. And I had several bush bean plants growing in it so I could just easily step out and harvest beans whenever I wanted them. Oh, cool. Yeah, they're they're pretty good size containers. So they're mm -hmm. not going to be, you know, inexpensive. They're, they're meant to last and they're good looking and they're something that a lot of landscape architects and designers in the industry are purchasing for their clients. Um, but you can find out more at the Crescent Containers website and it's Crescent, like the Crescent Moon, or mm -hmm. I guess Crescent Rolls <laughs> that you have at Thanksgiving. Um, so you can check those out yourself. Um, and another product that was presented to us at the press briefing was the Magic Gardener. And I think it's Mycorrhizal Powders. Right. It was a large tub. It was actually quite generous of them to give a large tub to us to sample. Mm -hmm. um, I think, though, that you can order it online. The website is just mycorrhizae.com, and you can order it online. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so I was looking up, um, it's biological disease control, and it's a concentrated powder. What I thought was interesting when you talked about the concentrated powder, and it's not like some liquid 
immersion in a bottle is he said that it actually lengthens the shelf life of those products. Um, and that perked my ears up as somebody who has things on their product shelves, you know, for two or three years and you don't know whether it's good anymore, like your old mosquito bits or dunks. Um, so I'm always interested in what the actual expiration date and efficacy of some of these products are. That's true. You usually don't see an expiration date. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And he says, the magic gardener is a broad spectrum biological fungicide and bactericide used to control or suppress diseases caused by plant pathogens, microbes for residential home and garden use. So this is being um, uh, an industrial or trade product that they're now packaging under the magic gardener label for the home gardener so he was saying that a lot of people professionals have been requesting for years a home garden product and that they're that's new to the home garden trade but it's been used in the profession by horticulturalists for you know years if not decades so maybe it would be good for powdery mildew problems that we have here in this area. Yeah, he had mentioned that as one of the issues um, and several other things. And it's supposed to be all natural formulas, but, you know, I would check it out. I haven't used it myself. Um, I haven't heard of anybody using it for the home garden. So I'll be very interested to hear people's results and experiences on that. So the next thing I came across, we didn't get this as a press uh, presentation, but they left samples in the press room. It was called FOOP foliar mist and f-o-o-p and from what i can tell it's fish poop <laughs> in a spray form so i was like oh this is interesting and that it's a foliar spray and then the second thing that caught my eye peggy is it's from my zip code <laughs> 20910 i was like how do i not know these food people so i'm eager to test this and try this out um sounds like it's for house plants and foliage plants um so and to get some nutrients back in there so we'll see how it works you should spray it and see what it smells like and see if your cats like it i, I actually smelled it it does not smell like fish poop oh. you know there's an heavy strong smell. I think they have a little bit of um, essential oils in there to cover up um, some of that scent. But yes, I will definitely test it on a little house plant and see if the cats react because <laughs> <laughs> they're chewing on enough plants without them being attracted uh, to fish smell as well. So yes, that will need a little bit of testing before I actually start using it widely. Uh, any other products that caught your eye on the show floor? Uh, for products, the only um, there's another one. It's actually a, a plant food. It's a liquid concentrated plant food by a company called Flourish, hmm. and it caught my eye because again, you know, it's a young new company, uh, woman owned, and um, they have a very hip, interesting website. And this is a concentrated plant food that is all organic. It's in an eyedropper bottle. So you just drop a few dropfuls in a container, you add water, you know. Ingredients are from food byproducts like industrial fishing and cornmeal production. Mm -hmm. And the it's a 332. 
And then the website is flourishplant.com. When you go to the website, you see that you can actually do a subscription system. So you have it automatically sent to you. But then they also feature common house plants and give you cultural information on common house plants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember seeing it last year at the show and it was more presented like as a leaf shine or cleaning product, but it also uh, assisted the plant. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting. Um, so if you're one of those people who likes to pet your house plants <laughs> or really groom them and get in there, I think this is a great, great product. Yeah. Let's turn to some of the cool plants we saw. So that's always the most fun, I think, of manses because it's the dead of winter. Sometimes it's icy outside, sometimes not so nice. And it's so great to be immersed in this trade show full of beautiful plants, many of them forced into leaf and bloom just for the display for those two and a half days at the show. So did you want to go into Waverly Farm and their mm-hmm. finished hedges? They gave a presentation to Garden Com- to media people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so they produced finished hedges that you can um, order. And then they dig it up and they deliver it to you and plop it in. And, and you have an instant hedge. Yeah, I was very interested in, because they were growing them. Um, she said they used uh, a drone and a GPS system to make perfectly straight rows in the ground is how she was describing it. So these hedges are perfectly straight um, and using that, you know, latest technology to grow them. And they're being grown, I think it's upper Montgomery County, somewhere um, outside of Adamstown, Maryland, maybe on the Montgomery County uh Frederick County border in Maryland. I'm trying to look up Waverly Farms. Yeah, so they're local and they're growing um, uh, plants that you know would do well here. And they mentioned a dragon lady. And since I'd never heard a dragon lady before, I had to go to the booth. And sure enough, there's a gorgeous holly sh- um, hedge mm-hmm. called Dragon Lady. It's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yep, I was correct. Adamstown, Maryland. So mm-hmm. right in our backyard. And then... Um, they are selling it by the linear foot. So there's two different widths that they've trimmed them into, but you're basically paying for the foot. So if you wanted to go from, say, 1 to 20 feet in one section, and then you have a pole or something, and then another 3 feet, you know, they can adjust. And they even have ends, like if you want to finish off the end of that hedge or just have a raw end that meets, say, the edge of a building, then you don't need to pay extra for that. So here's your instant screen. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Uh, so next, kind of related, is better boxwood. Um, so we'd heard in years past about new gen or next gen, the, mm-hmm. the boxwoods that are really resistant to the blight. Um, so this is a different breeding program, and uh, that program is called Better Boxwood is coming out of Europe, and those are blight-resistant, compact, tight boxwoods, and they all, in their, um, I guess you would call it marketing, they'll have like superhero-type capes on the plants and <laughs> superhero type uh, metaphors in it. Um, so very interesting. If you are a boxwood aficionado and you're heartbroken about some of your boxwood losses, uh, then I would say check out the Better Boxwood line. 
And I also got to check out Butterfly Candy Budlia. Did you go by that booth, Peggy? I saw the booth. It's actually, it's very, very pretty booth. I did mm-hmm. see that. So what is, um, I know people are concerned about that plant because it being invasive and all that, but I'm assuming that these are sterile or something? Yeah, I had to do a little digging. It didn't really say it in the marketing material in the booth, but this is what I did find in the research. It says, no seeds or fruit have been observed to date on the butterfly candia candy budlias. Um, So this is a line, a series of budlias of five varieties and colors right now. They're compact. They're just two to three feet tall and wide. Um, So you could grow them as a container. You could grow them as a little hedge or just as a specimen plant, like in your perennial border. Um, And the butterfly candy name, they are doing a huge, massive marketing campaign behind it. Um, They've got really cute logos and stuff. Of course, they're giving out candy to humans, not to butterflies, <laughs> at the show um, to promote the line. But um, the point of the line, of course, is full color, lots of blooms, and that they are not guaranteeing the sterile status. But in their experiences so far, they have been sterile plants, which is good to hear. Um, so definitely something I was concerned about as well, Peggy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to know they solved that problem. Mm-hmm. And, and they're beautiful plants and they're blooming up a storm and they're going to be marketed like at your local um, Walmart type stores, Home Depot type stores. So you're going to see a lot of butterfly candy everywhere, probably this summer out there. And so the next one um, that I just fell in love with, and this is from my conversation with Buddy Lee earlier, is the Autumn Moonstruck Azalea. Uh, are you familiar with that, Peggy? No, I didn't see that one. So that is an azalea that's got a double flowering white flower. So just that. I love double flowering azaleas. is gorgeous. But it's variegated foliage. has kind of like a um, chartreuse green to yellow uh, border on the leaf. And it's evergreen. So an evergreen azalea with variegation. And it's reblooming. So you have both the variegated foliage and the blooms to enjoy all year round. I will say one caveat, you know, this is being bred in the deep south, and we're kind of the northern line here in the D.C. area, Peggy. I would say mm-hmm. once you get too much above, say, Gettysburg, you're probably not going to uh, be able to grow this plant. Yeah, I saw a garden at Lewis Ginter Botanical Gardens in Richmond with white blooming azaleas and just green plants. And it's very soothing and cooling and relaxing in the summertime. They're listing this one, I think they're saying zone 6B, but I don't know. I think it would be marginal for a lot of people. But yeah, a lot of the evergreen azaleas are coming out of the southern breeding program. So mm-hmm. being introduced from the same group, same marketing group as the ones we just talked about, um, that's the Plant Development Services, Inc., is Colocasia Pharaoh's Mask and Colocasia Redemption. And these are like really jet black, dark, or veined colocasias with really striking color combinations. Redemption itself is almost like a burgundy. Um, and they, the Pharaoh's mask is really striking. I think these colocasias are going to like fly off the store shelves. They're just so gorgeous and interesting looking. And then in this area, the gardeners would lift up the tubers in the winter? Or- mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so they're being marketed here as an annual, you know, just a little bit south of us. They could probably have them, you know, leave them in the ground or leave them in containers. But, and in California, of course, they're growing them year round. And colocasias can be a house plant. You don't have to have them outside at all. Right. Those would be really stunning as a house plant or mm-hmm. even as an office plant. Oh, yeah. So there's a story behind I, the Pharaoh's mask, I think it is, that they, when they, got their first plant he offered it up for auction on the market and it went for over twelve thousand dollars just the one little first guy (laughs) so of course you're not going to be paying over twelve thousand that was just the first introduction and first getting it out there um so it'll still be a little bit on the high end for you know it's not going to be your regular green colocasia um you're going to pay a little bit for it at this point Mm -hmm. in our press presentation as well from proven winners uh They told us about fireball seedless burning bush. Right. And burning bush, a lot of people might think, oh, it's invasive. I'm not going to buy it. But this particular one is seedless. So you um, you shouldn't have to worry about that. And you it's a nice shrub because in the fall, it's got a brilliant red fall color. The whole thing is just red. It's gorgeous. That one is um, it's a woody shrub and uh, it's. It'll be about five to seven feet tall and wide, full sun. It would be very hardy here. Yeah, I think it has a very wide um, tolerance. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I was trying to find their, where they're listing their planting zones. But I remember thinking, oh, four to eight. So yeah. pretty wide area, non-invasive. Um, they are not guaranteeing, even though the name is Fireball Seedless Trademark, there's going to be a few seeds. And I think Peggy, they were saying out of like several thousand plants, 60 seeds were found last year, um, but none of them germinated. So the seeds that were collected that they did find on the seedless fireball, um, none of them were viable. So at least we can hope that that this one doesn't escape from um, home gardens. And it definitely sounds like the breeding and testing they've done has been done really carefully. Right. And there's um, this one was bred by Dr. Tom Rainey at Mountain Horticultural Crops Research Station in North Carolina. And then there's another one that he just introduced, because when I went to the Proven Winners Color Choice um, exhibit, the display, everybody was crowding around this plant. So I asked what it was. And it's yard line. It's a broadleaf evergreen viburnum. And mm. it's um, hardy to zone seven drought tolerant. And it's got those typical viburnum leaves are green, they're large, they're leathery, you know. Um, so that one was really attracting a lot of uh, interest, I think, because it could be used for hedging and for screening. Hmm. That one was nice. And um, there actually was another, it was another one that caught my eye called Paisley Pup. <laughs> it's, a, it's an evergreen shrub that's so variegated, so many different colors, green, white, purple, pink. But it's evergreen, so the colors, the leaves are staying like that year-round, and it's a native shrub, and the common name is dog hobble. (laughs) So paisley pup, like a puppy dog? Yeah, and it's actually a lakotho, and the common name is dog hobble. So this is a, it's a native, and it's, the good thing about it, it's part shade and deer-resistant, hardy to zone five, it only gets to about three to four feet tall, but that was on my bucket list. I have to get that one. Yeah. Deer resistant, definitely a key. And one of the things uh, I caught my eye at proven winners was the art and soul mangave collection. Um, Those are just gorgeous. So those are kind of um, 
again, on the edge for us of being hardy. So you probably right. would bring your mangavi in, right, Peggy? Right. And I was talking, I saw those at Walter's Gardens and she was telling me that they were on the edge, but they could be a house plant. And I said, because they're so, they're large, you know, they could be great for offices too, or malls, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know. So it's a mix uh, with a, uh, with agave and mangrove. And mm -hmm. so they just gorgeous foliage, cactus-like plant. Um, does have sharp tips though. I, as you know, as a house plant, if you have a small children or, or some pets might want to think twice. I know in my head, I was thinking not for a pediatrician's office. <laughs> not that type of office. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a madman type office. Right. Um, so anything else from proven winners that caught your eye? No, that was it for, from proven winners. Hmm, okay. So let's talk about, I, I went by a houseplant booth since we're on the houseplant side of things uh, called Optimara. They do a lot of breeding out of Tennessee and he has a new specialty foliage Peperomia um, called Verdant Plain. And it is just gorgeous. And that's coming out of their research and development again in Nashville, Tennessee and breeder Lawrence Holt camp. And it's almost fully chartreuse with just green veining in the center and that really mm -hmm. thick almost waxy peperomia leaf mm -hmm. that you get you know really really striking beautiful plant and of course their optimara is known for their beautiful african violet collection so he was showing me some interesting research they're doing where they're trying to breed all the um african violet flowering ones that they have that they're not pushing into different foliage but you know on the the flowering side um, into double blooms and all female blooming plants. So they have no stamens, um, no pollen. So their longer lasting flowers is what they're getting out of it. So like six week blooms. Um, and then of course, when you brush by it, you're not getting any pollen on you. Right, <laughs> so right. Really interesting. And of course they, I asked them if they were doing it by tissue culture. So of course, you know, if you have pretty much a sterile plant, how are you doing it? But they're just doing it the old fashioned way, which is taking cuttings from the leaves of the African violets and propagating them that way. And did they say where you could get these African violets, like on the retail level? Yeah. So they are marketing it to garden centers everywhere. Um, so most of the African violets you're going to see in stores are probably coming from Optimara. Um, and so you could ask at your local garden center for those. Those are great houseplants to have. Mm -hmm. I love African violets. Mm -hmm. I was going to say that I also I think it was nearby in that same aisle. I came across a grower who had uh, introductions from a plant marketing company called Plants Nouveau. Do you know Angela Treadwell Palmer at Plants yeah, Nouveau? Yeah, I actually saw her too. Yeah. Oh, I good, see. good. Yeah. And so they have U.S. grown Ito peonies. Um, so those are the woody peonies as opposed to the herbaceous peonies. And they're going to be deer resistant, about three feet tall, on their own roots, vigorous, no staking, no mildew. And I was really excited um, because if you've you know, got a passion for peonies, you know that an Ito peony is what, $65, $85 on up? Yeah. So these are going to bring the prices down. Like, remember what happened, Peggy, with hellebores? maybe right. like 15 years ago when hellebores used to be super expensive per plant. Mm -hmm. And now the prices have come down a bit since they're more available. You can get them at Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But don't forget to plant them outside. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. um, 
how about Bailey's? They're another big plant breeder and marketer, and they had signage all over Mance. Like every escalator you went up, uh, you saw Bailey's plants being advertised on those. Yeah, they were pushing their new Eclipse Hydrangea, which has very, very dark purple, almost black foliage and mm-hmm. large cranberry colored mop head blooms. And according to the brochure, this dark foliage should stay dark all season long. And this is hardy to zone five full sun depart shade. Gets to be about three to five feet tall and wide. So this is something where you could put it in the garden, but you might also want to put it in a large container by itself. And I think it would be stunning if you had two framing your front door. Mm-hmm. Especially if you had like a white house, like white mm-hmm. siding, that yeah. would really pop out there. And I thought what was interesting that one of their marketing signs said, use it in the light or in the dark, meaning combine it with dark plants. So dark on dark. So everything in the container are those dark tones like burgundies right. and blacks or transpose that and have that as like the filler, a dark filler in the middle, but have light things around it. You could actually transition it to be a Halloween plant. If you kind of cut off the blooms, you just had the dark (laughs) foliage and it was in a container and those Mm -hmm. little orange pumpkins. There you go. Oh yeah. It's very dramatic. Mm -hmm. So we were lucky enough to visit Bailey nurseries outside of Minnesota, Minneapolis, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, sorry, uh, last August with the garden communicators. um, And we each got a sample of that plant. Did you take one home, Peggy? No, I didn't take one home. Um, I didn't think it'd make it on the plane, but um, he's very, very supportive of garden comms. So I can always just email Yeah, so she's lucky she'll be able to get a sample plant to try that out. So we're talking about Ryan uh, McEnany, if I'm saying his last name correctly. I always butcher his last name. Sorry, Ryan. Um, But yeah, very generous that they had an open house and showed us around their growing facility. Um, That was last end of last summer uh, that we were visiting. And what I was amazed at, Peggy, at touring that growing facility is they are literally right there on the Mississippi River and they're planting the plants directly into the ground. Like when they say liners, they mean lining the ground, not in pots. So they're digging them and then potting them up and then bringing them to the nurseries or garden centers. Yeah, they have a huge operation. And even though you think hydrangeas, they actually grow lots of other plants too, Mm -hmm. uh, lots of other um, woodies and perennials. And so I picked up their catalog of what's new for 2024 and they do have two new baptisias, so I was looking at their baptisias again, and I might, I might have to get those too mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, always tempting things in the mm-hmm. in the Bailey's catalog to check out. Any other new plants that caught your eye this year? So Star Roses and Plants always has a beautiful exhibit, and they mm-hmm. have two new Mahonias. And the reason why it caught my eye is because I was just at Green Spring Gardens, which is here in Virginia. It's a public garden, and they had some mahonias. And mahonias are broadleaf evergreen shrubs that bloom in the winter with yellow flowers. So they're they're really good for winter interest. So these two mahonias, there was this is in their bloomables line, which are shrubs that bloom. And mahonias, um, usually they're big, but mm-hmm. these are compact. So there's one called Groovy Glow where the new growth in the spring is burgundy. Usually the leaves are green. And the flowers are red, orange, and yellow from fall to winter. And, of course, these are shade-tolerant, deer-resistant, evergreen shrubs, hardy here, of course. And these are compact, three to four feet. And then they have another mahonia called 
funky flow, which is green leaves, <laughs> but bright yellow flowers in the winter. And again, shade tolerant, deer tolerant, compact. So these are something to consider for winter interest. You know, we're laughing a little at some of the names, but you know, you have to have these memorable funny names uh some of them because there's so many new plants being introduced to the market things can fall through the cracks so sometimes they'll do themes like you're just hearing some like kind of hippie um type names sometimes they'll do uh name it after a family member or somebody famous or they'll just base it on the colors or the size of the plant Mm -hmm. They also have new oak leaf hydrangeas, and that that is a really good plant to have here in this area. It's very hardy, nice fall red foliage. So they have Autumn Reprise, which has dark burgundy foliage. Mm. And then they have Little Annie, which is very compact at three to four feet, burgundy fall foliage. Flowers are white, aging to dark pink. Mm-hmm. which would be really nice. I love the dwarf oak leaf hydrangeas because the stray species oak leaf hydrangea would probably be about half my back garden, just one plant. <laughs> yeah, mine are huge. <laughs> mm-hmm. They can get so big, but they're such great plants and, you know, real good doers and you don't really have to do much to them. No, and they're native and they attract the bees and the pollinators. Anything else that caught your eye at the show this year, Peggy? The only other one is a new line of hellebores. It's called the Rockies, and it's from must-have perennials. And these are bred for the foliage, not necessarily the flowers. They do flower, but they were bred to have very interesting foliage so that you can add these to your shade gardens, and then you'd have that unique foliage interest all summer long. Deer and rabbit resistant. So there's six of them, and they've got names like um, Hollow Top Mountain, Pikes Peak, Snowshoe Mountain, Table Mountain, all hardy to zone six. So it's different kind of hellebores where you're planting them because they have such beautiful foliage and they're they're there all summer long. You know, you don't, it's not just for that kind of winter, spring flower and then it's gone. Yeah, it sounds like a great alternative to if your hostas are getting eaten down to celery sticks by the deer, this sounds like a good foliage for, for deep shade. Yeah, it is. It's deer and rabbit resistant. Hmm. And that's from Must Have Perennials. Um, Their website, I think, is musthaveperennials.com. Thanks, Peggy. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for sharing your experiences at Mance and the highlights and going over some of the great things we saw in introductions. We'll try to have some of those links in our show notes up a few days after this episode goes up. So, Peggy, how can our listeners contact you if they want to find out more? Oh, they just come visit me at pegplant.com, which is an online resource for gardeners in the D.C. metro area. You can always just send me a message through uh, comments or about. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Peggy. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Air plant, plant profile. Air plant, Tillandsia species, is a common houseplant that can be grown indoors year-round or taken outside during the warmer months. Tillandsia is in the bromeliad family, and there are more than 650 species of them. 
They are native to the desert and mountain regions of the Americas, from Argentina up through the Caribbean and southernmost United States. Spanish moss is a member of this family. Of course, these plants do not actually live on air, but they do not need to be planted in soil. They hang in trees, where their curled leaves have adapted to take in moisture from the air and to trap rainwater for use during drought periods. Air plants need to be in bright, indirect light with good air circulation. To water them, submerge them in a bowl of room temperature water for a few minutes, then drain them and then place them back in their display spot. Water them weekly and mist them in between waterings as necessary. Talancia, you can grow that. What's new in the garden this week? Well, I have some winter jasmine in bloom, as well as a few hellebores peeking out, and the heathers are starting to bloom as well. And as we start off our season five on the Garden DC podcast, I thought I'd add to this What's New segment a few garden tasks you can do in the garden this week, if you are listening to it in real time, of course. So I share a garden tip of the day every day on our social media at WDC Gardener on Twitter slash X on our Facebook page and to our Washington Gardener Google group. So I'll adopt some of those into this podcast and some of the tips we shared this week include to fill in if you have any grade uh, issues in your garden. This is a good time to fill with fill soil and let it settle over the winter months. You can also check if any of your pathways need filling. Say if you have pebbles or bark or anywhere that's starting to get bald spots in a pathway, this is a good time to walk around and check those and fill that in. And then finally, it's a good time to walk your fence line, especially if you have deer netting that can get saggy and bend over, say if a tree branch falls on it, or if we have a heavy snow, you definitely wanna check that and repair that right away so the deer don't find that entry point. In the local gardening world in the greater Washington DC area, a couple upcoming events you might want to attend include Roses to the Rescue, using roses as problem solvers in containers as ground covers and for privacy. This is a talk I am giving to the Potomac Rose Society virtually online, and that is on Sunday, January 21st at 2 p.m. You can join PRS at potomacrose.org and sign up for that link there. Um, And our upcoming seed exchanges are coming up quickly. They are on January 27th. That's a Saturday starting at 12.30 and going till 4 p.m. at Brookside Gardens in Wheaton, Maryland that day. And then on the following Saturday, February 3rd at Greenspring Gardens in Virginia. And you can find out more details about that at washingtongardener.org blogspot.com or in our latest issue of Washington Gardener magazine. 
You can also find details there about our 18th annual Washington Gardener Magazine Garden Photo Contest. The entry period is January 1st through 21st, and our rules are that the photos must have been taken in the past calendar year, so sometime in 2023, and within a 150 mile radius of the U.S. Capitol. Um, so they can be taken with an iPhone, taken with any type of equipment you want. We've had amateurs win, professionals win. Um, we have 17 winners with one grand prize included in that 17. And then a first through third and an honorable mention across four categories. And again, find out more information about that in our latest issue of Washington Gardener Magazine or at washingtongardener.blogspot.com. And... I wish you all happy gardening and a happy 2024. Get low maintenance alternative salons with the new book Ground Cover Revolution by Kathy Jets. Reducing the lawn is among the biggest trends in home ownership, with an endless stream of homeowners looking for an eco-friendly alternative to a traditional everyday grass lawn. In the last few years alone, over 23 million American adults converted part of the lawn to a natural landscape, and now are looking to do even more. The biggest challenge to adopting this new ideal of perfect lawn is knowing how and when to replace your turf and which plants are the best ones for the job. Ground Cover Revolution is here with all the answers you need. Included are 40 in-depth profiles of plants that are perfect choices for replacing a grass lawn. There are options for sun, for shade, for dry and wet sites, and for various climates around the globe. There are choices that bloom, options that are evergreen, and selections that are deer-resistant. Author Kathy Jens has also included an incredibly useful chart that gives you all the details on each of the 40 choices for quick reference and to make your ground cover selection process even easier. Whether you want to replace the entire lawn or just reduce the amount of land dedicated to turf, Ground Cover Revolution will help you usher in a new and improved idea of what a beautiful lawn should be. Available at bookstores now and also at Quarto.com, where you can get 30% off using discount code GARDENING30. Hey there, garden lovers. This is Ray Eaton, founder of Discover Garden Tours. I'm here to invite you all to join us next April and experience the beauty of Dutch gardening and horticulture on our Discover the Netherlands tour. Please join us and speaker, author, and social media influencer Kathy Jentz for this once-in-a-lifetime garden adventure. We'll visit private and public gardens, flower shows and auctions, and much, much more. Highlights include the Kuchenhof Gardens, Hortus Botanicus Leiden, and the Flora Holland Flower Auction. The tour dates are from April 16th through April 25th, 2024. Full details and registration are available on our website at discoverourtours.com. Remember, space is limited, so if you don't want to miss out, I would highly recommend signing up today. We look forward to seeing you in the Netherlands and sharing this unforgettable journey together.
In the new book, The Urban Garden by Kathy Jensen Terry Spade, you'll find dozens of inspiring and creative ways to grow flowers, shrubs, vegetables, herbs, and other plants in small spaces and with a limited budget. Whether you want to grow on a balcony, rooftop, front stoop, or a tiny urban patio, turn your growing dreams into reality and build a gorgeous and unique garden that showcases your personal style while still being functional and productive. With the ingenious ideas and resourceful tactics found here, you'll be maximizing yields and beauty from every square inch of your space while also making a lush outdoor living area you'll crave spending time in. Whether you're growing edible plants or beautiful flowers, the 101 amazing growing ideas found in the urban garden will turn your tiny urban yard into a treasure trove of green you'll be proud to share with family and friends. Buy your copy today at your local retail bookseller or order it online now at amazon.com or bookshop.org. This is The Last Word with Christy Page at Greenprints. Today, I'd like to read a story that really touched home to me, um, and that is Third Time, Not the Charm by Jan Spencer. Here's the story. Uh, When I was just a beginning flower gardener, I got interested in the Aramaris or foxtail lily, so exotic and interesting and perfect for zone six, my growing zone here in Durango, Colorado. The delicate dry roots came with instructions to plant them three or four feet deep. Still a novice, I followed the directions. Of course, I never saw those plants again. Years later, I saw that a new neighbor had gotten Aramaris to grow and sway prettily where I could see them from my front window. I tried again, only this time I planted them three or four inches deep. Still no luck. I tried a third time in the bed by my front window. Hey, a new plant emerged. Is it here at last? It looked like a carrot and smelled odd. Queen Anne's lace, maybe? I looked it up. Conium maculatarum poison hemlock. It grew large, had delicate white flowers that lasted a long time, and attracted a wide array of insects and birds. A winner? Well, if you overlook the fact that it's invasive and that every part of the plant is toxic to mammals, it's the hemlock that was used to kill Socrates, by the way. Should I try for Aramaris again? Who knows? Maybe the fourth time will be the charm. That story was originally published in 2021 in Green Prince issue 127, and I just found it humorous because how many times have I thought I was planting something right, only to have it not grow, or somehow manage to scatter and grow in a completely different section of my garden. So I just found this quite humorous, and I hope you do as well. This was The Last Word with Christy Page at greenprince.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Thank you for listening to Garden DC. You can become a listener supporter for as little as 99 cents a month by going to anchor.fm slash garden DC slash support. Another way to support this podcast is to subscribe to our monthly digital publication, Washington Gardener Magazine. To do so, go to washingtongardener.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Garden DC. You can become a listener supporter for as little as 99 cents a month by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash garden DC. Another way to support this podcast is to subscribe to our monthly digital publication, Washington Gardener Magazine. To do so, go to washingtongardener.blogspot.com. Thank you. You can find and follow Washington Gardener on Twitter slash X, Instagram and Pinterest at WDC Gardener, and on Facebook at Washington Gardener Magazine. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Spotify and Apple. Open the Spotify or Apple app, search for Garden DC, check on the rate button, and select five stars.